we couldn't even get Reggie and uh, Uber to like uh, the church today because we called the Uber. They were like, listen, I'm not getting past this marathon. And so he walked all the way here. He's like a missionary dude. He's like walking all the way here. We ran through the like uh, marathon line while the people were cheering and everything. True story. And like <laughs> it was good. We were like, oh, we're getting to church. So anyway, he's gone through great lengths and efforts to be here today <laughs> to serve us. And uh, with that in mind, it's going to be a great um, Sunday. But before um, we do that, can we also just um, hype up and give a great round of applause to another couple who just got back from their honeymoon, Caleb and Natalia Forsyth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Love. That's right. That's right. So show the love. Show the love. So, again, if you could, um, this is Reggie Roberson. And as I said already, he was just installed as our senior pastor um, at our sending church in North Carolina. And he's been praying, believing, not only this past week, but for the past several years as we've been a church getting established in the city. And so he continually prays, he continually fasts, he continually believes with us, and he's got a word for us today. So can you welcome Reggie, please? All right, as always, it's so good to see you guys. Uh, I am so thrilled to, to just be back here um, every year. I think, I think I've been here almost every year since the church started, and it's always a privilege um, to see some familiar faces. Um, I have to tell you, um, I absolutely uh, just enjoy being around um, Rollin and B. Um, you have some great leaders. Um, Rollin is a tremendous, has a tremendous leadership gift on his life, and uh, really has a heart for all peoples, uh, every nation, uh, and he's uh, got a lot of energy. How many of you noticed that? <laughs> he's got a ton, and so I get energized when I'm around him, and I, I absolutely love B, uh, Barbara, his wife's uh, strength, uh, her endurance. Uh, she is, uh, and, and both of them, and especially her, is filled with wisdom. I, I just a- enjoy uh, talking with her and relating to her, and so um, I have to tell you guys, you have some really wonderful world-class leaders, and so why don't we just give a hand for them? We appreciate you, Rollin and B. You guys are awesome. So I'm, I'm going to um, continue in this series uh, that you've been in called what? Anyone know? Gifted. Gifted. Okay, there we go. Gifted. God's Tools for Building His Kingdom, and uh, I, uh, Pastor Rollin uh, knows that this is a very uh, subject, a very dear subject to my heart, uh, because uh, I've I've spent my life and and God's impressed it upon me to basically help people be released in their gifts all over the world, and so I've been um, on um, uh, multiple continents and multiple places helping people to understand what their spiritual gifts are, uh, and it's been neat to see how. Uh, in, in different nations, in different regions, in Asia, for instance, there's just, it's just taken like wildfire, and it's changed the way they've done things when they've actually seen the, the gifts of the Spirit uh, move in their lives. And for, for me, as I prayed about Second City Church, uh, what God was speaking to me um, was that there's getting ready to be a unique release, a, a, a very strong release of His glory uh, in this church and that's what God was speaking to me. And that, it's the type of glory that brings spiritual growth and life transformation to the people that are around you. Now, you've heard that over and over again, but it's, it's different and unique when God starts to speak that. 
because God's word does not actually fall to the ground. Whatever he speaks, it comes about. And I believe that God is getting ready to do that in a, in a unique way. It isn't that it hasn't already been happening, but you're going to find that there's a glory that rests upon you to really see this happen. Now, I'm going to get a little bit more into the glory of God in a second so you can understand what I'm saying. But I want to um, jump into this particular text. We're going to look at Ephesians and this particular uh, message within this series is going to be called Gifted for Glory. Can you say that with me? Gifted for Glory. That's why we're gifted. So we can look at Ephesians 3. The very ending of Ephesians, and Paul's writing this particular book from prison to this amazing church at Ephesus. And if you read the story in Acts chapter 19 of what happens in Ephesus, it is amazing. I mean, all of the powerful things that takes place, a massive book burning from people who were bound in witchcraft, the city being turned upside down in an uproar. There's just so many things that have happened. And so these are the people that, that Paul's addressing when he writes this particular book. And he wants to actually, because they have so many gifts uh, manifesting or uh, they're using and displaying these gifts, he wants to actually kind of help them to understand the, the order and the importance and, and the reason why these gifts are used. And so Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, he says this. This is a prayer at the end of a, a moment of talking about the love and the goodness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Does anyone believe that God's able to do abundantly far above what you ask or think? He's able to do that. And this is what Paul's saying. According to the power at work within us. Wow. According to the power at work within us. That's how he's going to do it. Wow. Amazing. We'll move on from there. And then it says this. To him be glory. There's that word. Glory in the where? In the church. In Second City Church. To him be glory in Second City Church and in Christ Jesus. Interesting. Glory in the church, glory in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, when the church is glorified, the goodness of God is able to spread throughout the entire planet. When it speaks of the glory of God, man, it's, it's speaking of the ability of the church to really make the world a better place. But not just because we're giving things out or we're helping uh, those who are at disadvantage. It's because we're carrying literally the essence and nature of Jesus Christ in ourselves. And it's because of that, then when we do those acts of goodness, all of a sudden, uh, Jesus gets glorified and the church is glorious. And that's what happens when we're using our gifts. How many of you think that this church, this, that this church can help this city become a better place? How many of you believe that, that we need the goodness and glory of God throughout this planet? How many of you think that? I mean, if you, if, in case you haven't heard, there were some shootings in Las Vegas. Anyone not hear about that? 
There are some, there's been some ethnic tensions throughout our country. There's been political upheavals that have been happening. All of these things have been happening all the time around this, in our country, in this nation. And we're in need, really, of the glory of God or the goodness of God to come in. And it's going to happen, it says, as the power of God is working in us and through us. That's what this is speaking of. So right after he makes this statement, and then we're going to get to the, our main text. We're going to read the Bible this morning. We're in the church. How many of you know we're in a church gathering? We're going to read this Bible. I hope you're okay with this. I want to, I want to walk through uh, some text here, and we're going, to, we're going to break this up into three sections. But let's look at this in Ephesians 4, 1 through 13. So right after he says, glory be in the church. The question is, how? How's the glory of God going to be in the church or in the people? In the people of God. Here's what's going to happen. He says, therefore, I a, prison, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. This is Paul in Rome. He's writing it from Rome as a prisoner. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. And here's what he says. What you've been called to do, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Help me, Lord. Anybody need help making allowance for others' faults? <laughs> I do. I need God's power working within me, like it said, for, in order for that to take place. And it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves with peace. Why? For there is one body. In one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope and future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that, when that's speaking of one baptism, it's speaking of one baptism that brings us into the body of Christ together. When you look at Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, it actually speaks of other baptisms, that there's more than one, there's more than one baptism. In fact, there's like seven different baptisms mentioned in the New Testament. But the one that is speaking of in this case is the one that makes us all this, of the same body in Christ. There's one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Christ was generous. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd captive, he led crowd of captives and gave gifts to people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Oh, my goodness. This is speaking of Jesus, filling the entire universe. It's amazing. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until, everybody say until, we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
Here's the main point I want to share this morning is that God's glory fills the church when each one of us is actively using our God-given gifts. That's the glory of God fills the church. That's what he's speaking of. That's why that you have that part ending in Ephesians. The original manuscripts of the Bible, they didn't have a break. There weren't chapters. We put chapters there so that we could um, better memorize where certain things were. But it flows right into helping us to understand what it means for the church to have the glory of God and for Jesus Christ to be glorified. So there's three points I want to cover briefly this morning with you as we talk about that particular one point. The first one is that godly character and unity makes gifts well-received. Godly character and unity makes gifts well-received. The second one is that Jesus paid the price to give every believer a gift. Jesus paid the price for that. And then the last one is God's gifts are to help the church to grow. All right, so let's talk about this first point. Godly character and unity makes gifts well-received. That's what you see in verses 1 through 3. That's, that's what that's speaking about. Um, I'll never forget recently I was eating at a, a Mexican place. I'm not going to tell you which one it was. Um, they have franchises all over the U.S. And, uh, and I was eating, and, and um, I'm telling you, I was fasting too. You know, and so I was ready to dig into this, 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 uh, what I had ordered. You know, believe it or not, it was a particular type of fast, so I ordered a nice, lush, green salad, and I could not wait to dig into that. Now, I know some of you are like, man, I thought you were going to talk about, you know, burritos or, you know, whatever, and, uh, you know, but I was, I was doing a particular type of fast where I couldn't eat that, but I could eat that salad, and I was so excited about eating that salad, and I, I'm going to tell you what happened is um, I dug into that salad, and when I bit into it, it felt like I was eating rocks. Did that ever happen to anybody? Anyone ever? Ha- you felt, when you ate that salad, you would feel like you're eating rocks. And you know what happened? Is I kept eating it because I ate it disbelieving. I, ca- I, was, I can't believe this. It tastes like rocks. Anybody ever, you just keep eating something that's disgusting, but the reason why you're eating it because you're in disbelief? And you're like, I just, and then, and then we, do, we go even beyond that, don't we, sometimes? We're like, hey, you should try this. This, try, this is nasty. Like, why don't you try this? And that's what I did. It's like, what, what's going on with you? It was, what's my point in saying all of this is that, look, when we don't have godly character and we don't seek unity, we're just like that salad. Man, we look good on the outside, but, man, we taste nasty on the inside. In other words, we're not going to be well-received by people when we don't have godly character and unity in our, amongst us. The gifts are not going to be well-received, and this is what he's speaking of. It's like a poor rap gift. Have anyone, anyone in here, you ever, you've ever had a person that you knew who was extremely gifted? I mean, just talented, gifted, but man, they were horrible to be around. I mean, now, don't look at anybody, Okay. <laughs> Just look at me and just lift up your hand if you ever knew anybody like that. All right. Here's the thing is that the, the reason why it's so important for us to have godly character with our gifts for two reasons is because God doesn't just want people to receive something from us. He wants us to, to give something to people. 
that will transform them and make them praise him. And they're not going to praise him if you give them a gift without the character, without being unified. Another thing is that if you have a lot of gifts in your life, but you don't have character, you can build something up, but then it easily gets torn down. Because what you build up with your gifts will be torn down by your negative and bad character. And so it's so important. This is why he says, look, this is the type of character we need. It can be summed up in two words, love and unity. Love and unity. What's love? He says, here's what love is. Love is humble. Love is gentle. Love is patient. I need, I need a lot of help there. I'm just, pause for a moment. I need help. Love is forgiving. Love is peacemaking. That's what love is. Here's what unity is. Unity is when you gladly make concessions and inconvenience yourself to be with each other because we're focused on Jesus and not ourselves. That's what unity is. He says, oh, if you can love each other and be unified, then when you're operating in your gifts, the whole world will receive it. There'll be glory in the church. The glory of God will come on that particular thing. And that's what this is speaking of. Complaining and gossiping, having critical attitudes is not going to release the glory of God through a spiritual community. It's not going to happen. It's love and unity. Love and unity is what will release the glory of God in a tangible way so that when people actually are around you, they feel something different about you. When you're together as a group, they feel something. When they come into this this gathering place, they feel something different. It's because the love of God and the unity of God is in our midst. And that's that's what will bring the glory of God. And then love and unity comes from focusing on Jesus. And making him the source of our love and the source of our unity. So let's seek that as our first foundation when we think about the spiritual gifts. Next thing here is Jesus paid the price to give every believer a gift. That's our second point. And um, I I was thinking about this particular passage. It actually reflects Psalm 68, 18. Paul literally makes a quotation He says, actually, what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead is he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. And it's a picture of Jesus being victorious. It's a picture of him overcoming death and stealing spoils from the devil and saying, I'm taking these things back and I'm going to release something in the earth that's going to be a blessing. And this is why Paul says, look, if he ascended, that means he descended, means he came into the earth. God became man through Jesus Christ, lived a lowly life. He became one of us, and he lived a perfect life, and he never sinned, and he took sin on himself. And all of our wrongdoings, everything that we've ever done wrong, Jesus put it on himself. And it says he he became the punishment for our sin, and he was crucified. When he was crucified, he was buried in the the tomb, in 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 a cave, and after three days, he was raised from the dead. And that proved that he was the son of God. He had all power and he existed on the earth in his resurrection form for 40 days. And after those 40 days, Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. And this is what it says. When he released the power of the Holy Spirit in the earth, he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. What's the point of all that? Jesus paid for your gift. How many of us would just reject a wonderful Gift, if somebody, I don't, I'm just going to throw this out here. If somebody gave you a Lamborghini, 
You know, how many of us would say, that's real nice. That, that can just stay over here. Thank you for paying for that for me. I appreciate that. But I'll just, I'm not going to drive it. I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to look at it. How many of us would do something like that? We'd never do that. Jesus paid the price, used his hard-earned life, if you will, his life of perfection, so that every person could have a gift. This is what this passage is saying. We need to receive what he paid for. There are several different gifts. Actually, there's two lists, and you guys have been going through 1 Corinthians, the list in 1 Corinthians, and this list that I just mentioned, it mirrors 1 Corinthians, the Ephesians 4 list. Here's some of the, the, the list of the gifts that God has given to the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, he gave apostles, he gave prophets, He's given teachers and shepherds, miracle workers or evangelists. And the, and the New Testament miracle worker and evangelist was synonymous. Gifts of healing, helpers, administration, various kinds of, of tongue speakers. So you may be asking yourself, which one am I? And I always tell people this, is that you're the one that you can do very well, but it doesn't take you a whole bunch of effort, a massive amount of effort. What do I mean by that? Here... There's a guy that I work with. He's a pastor, too. His name is Pastor Eric. He is exceptional administrator. What it takes me an hour to do, he does in 10 minutes. That means that that is not my gift. I'm not good at that, and I'm okay. Do you realize that there are some things that you just won't be good at because God doesn't want you to be Jesus? In other words... There's only one Jesus. He's good at everything. But he dispersed himself into the body so that one person would be good at this, another person would be good at that, and we could actually be thankful for what he gave us and what he gave the people around us and not covet it and say, that's not my lane, but whatever my lane is, I'm going to run in the best way possibly I can. And I thank God for that. I thank God for Roland and B and their leadership gift and Cole with his ability to pastor and shepherd. My wife is excellent with creativity and exhorting communication. You know, she can, she can speak in front of people. She is great and she loves it. So you may be asking now, what are some of the ways I can actually discover my gift then? What are, what are, what are some of those particular ways? I want to highlight a few things. One is through prayer. That is an important thing. Um, the reason why is because God created you. And because he created you, he knows what your gifts are. And so you can seek him in prayer through your gift, acknowledging him, inviting him into your life. Another way that you can discover what your gifts are is through building Christ-centered relationships, serving together. When we talk about connect groups, that's so important. Because it's within that context, as you do life together, that your gifts are actually identified and called out. This is a true story. Um, Rollin and B, I was, Pastor Rollin and B, I was with them um, as a college student. And we would do ministry together. We'd lead these groups together. And they started calling me a prophet before I'd ever traveled around the world. Before I'd ever done anything prophetic, they were calling me that. And so that's the thing is that all of a sudden what happens is when you're with each other, gifts and spiritual, you're just really good at this. This is what I see on your life. And that happens in the context of community. That's what happens. Another thing that helps us is assessments. There are various spiritual gifts assessments, leadership style assessments, personality assessments where you're able to understand who you are. 
And the last thing I'll say that's the most important one, besides actually going to God in prayer and being in those relationships, is going to be that you actually get your hands dirty. You serve. You serve. You get involved. I, I always get this question. Whenever I'm teaching on this, wherever I'm in and in the world, someone will inevitably ask me. They'll say, they'll say, Reggie, do you think I have the gift of healing? And I say, have you ever prayed for anyone to get healed? No. Well, how are you going to know if you have the gift of healing? In other words, you need to actually step out and do something. As you do something, that's when you discover what God's put in you. It's through serving others. It's through being active. It's through the opportunities that God's given you. The same thing could be the case for prophetic ministry. How do you know you're a prophet? Well, that's what I do. How do you know you're good at administration? Well, that's what I do. Thank God for all the administrators in here, too. Who's an administrator in here? Thank goodness for you, organization, all that. We need you. We appreciate Rollin needs you. <laughs> Pastor Rollin does. It's true. I remember watching Pastor Rollin and B over my course of time with them in college. I watched them develop, and I watched their gifts come out. Uh, and what they have now is a greater measure of what they had then, but I could easily call them out. I want us to make every single effort to figure out the gifting that God's given us through the purchasing of Jesus's, through, through Jesus paying the price for our, our, our gifts through his blood. And last thing here is, is God's gifts are to help the church to grow. You know, it's interesting, this passage, the gift is categorized in two, has two different categories. The first category is the equippers. There are equippers given to the church. That's apostles, that's prophets, that's evangelists, that's pastors and teachers. These people are responsible for actually helping the rest of the people, which is our second category of people, the ministers or the the, the body of Christ, to actually do the works of service. Now, I want you to hear that. I'm going to say that in slow motion here. All right? So you have equippers, and these equippers equip the people to actually do works of service. Now, here's the reason why I'm saying it like this is so you will never forget that it's not actually the equippers that do the works of service. It's the body of Christ, the ministers, the people that make up the church that do the works of service or that help to build the body. This is important. Everybody thinks many times I grew up in a church where it was all about, oh, what's the pastor going to do? Pastor, here's my friend. Uh, They need for you to talk to them about baptism. That's not how it was in the New Testament. That's not what Paul's saying. You talk to them about baptism. What I'll do is I'll teach you how to talk to them about baptism, but you talk to them about baptism. That's what it spoke of. Well, pastor, you know, my friend needs some prayer. Can you pray for them? It's okay to get the pastor to pray with them. But did you pray for them first? You know, in other words, you're supposed to be the ones. God sees all of you as ministers, all of you as people who are going to literally bring his light and his truth to this city. And you need to understand that he put his Holy Spirit inside of you so that that could happen. He's gifted you in that particular way so you can help to build this church by encouraging one another and also reaching the community outside. That's what he's called you to do. 
you know, I love to say it like this. There's nobody, 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 nobody in this particular passage that is on the bench. There's nobody, nobody that's in the dugout that's just sitting there, hidden there. Everybody is active in this particular passage. God's doing something. He's giving gifts. Equippers are equipping. And the rest of the body is ministering and serving people. Now, this is this is very important because there's only one place in the Bible I ever see anybody that's on the bench. And I'm going to tell you where that is right after I show you these pictures. We can, look, we can pull these up. This is the Chicago Marathon. I could not help it this morning. Look at that. Look how there are all these people. You see the runners, they're running, and then you see the other people cheering. And they have signs, and I saw all types of stuff, signs of pictures of people, and I mean, it was a blast. My, two of my favorite things, I'll show you one of them in a second. My favorite thing, uh, one of my favorites was, was this guy who was jet, dressed in a kilt playing bagpipes, just jumping up and down and cheering people on. That was one of my favorite ones. This, can we show this next picture? You, I hope you can see it. Look at this guy right here. You see the size of his boxing gloves? You see him, it's, it's right beyond that tree. His boxing gloves are the size of my, my, my body right like this. And every time someone runs, he's just, he's just giving them that. You know what I mean? Just, I, it, I saw it one time after another. It was such a fun time walking to Rollins' house. It was so fun. But this is what you see. Is you have the people on the bench, they're cheering on the outside, and you have the people running the race. And what I see in Scripture, Hebrews 12 says that there's only one type of person that is on the sidelines or on the bench that's not actively serving and using their gifts. Those are the people who are in heaven already. Those are the people who are dead. So if you're alive, you're supposed to be using your gifts. You're supposed to be running the race. That's what Hebrews says. You're supposed to run that race. You're supposed to be in the middle of it. None of us, if you're alive today, just say, I'm alive. That means you're ready. To, that means you're able to use your gifts to be a blessing to people. We're supposed to use them to see the church grow. So let's get in the game and build the church. Let me summarize what I've said as I bring this to a close. I strongly believe that we're getting ready to see, this church is getting ready to see a tremendous glory released upon it. And I believe it's going to happen in a way that causes incredible transformation in the lives of individuals. It's going to happen as there are things that people have been dealing with for years, and you're able to grow out of those things. The Lord says he doesn't want you to give up hope. I felt God tell me to tell you that this morning, to not give up hope. There's freedom, there's breakthrough, there's glory. And I believe that if we would acknowledge the gifts that God's given us, that Jesus Christ purchased for us, I believe that if we use those gifts with godly character and we seek unity with each other and we use them to build the body of Christ up, that this this church is going to literally be a church that helps to turn this world upside down and this city that brings people in, that restores families, that restores individuals who have been broken, 
that sees people in positions of influence who are using it not to dominate others, not to power trip, not to lord it over others and exploit people financially, but to really be a blessing. And I believe that God's called all of you to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every single person here. Lord Jesus, that you have paid the price for them. Not only their souls, but the gifts that you've dispensed and given to each and every single person when they become a Christian and they decide to follow you. Lord, I pray right now by the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit that we would recognize that Jesus paid the price so that we could experience love and unity, gifts of the Spirit, so that we can make a difference. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, I have never understood what Jesus did for me. And I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. To say, Jesus, I want you in my life, in my heart. I want to use what you've given me. I want you to be my Lord, the, the one that calls the shots in my life. That leads me, that guides me that reveals to me who I am, what my purpose is. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus, today is the day for you to do so. I believe Jesus is saying to you, get in the race. Run, run. Run for the glory of God. Run so that you might fulfill your purpose. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Is there anyone in here like that? You say, I want to receive Jesus today. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? God's moving. God says, I don't want you to give up hope. I don't want you to disbelieve what I'm going to do in your life and in your heart. Is there anyone else? This is your chance to enter into the race. I want to pray for that person and then I want to take a moment to pray for everyone else in here. Father, thank you so much for this person that's raised their hand. I pray that you would fill them with your presence. That you would become the Lord of their lives even though you're already the Lord of the universe. They be filled with your Holy Spirit and acknowledge that you pay the price for them to live out a powerful and wonderful purpose. Lord, I thank you for doing that. Thank you for moving in their lives. A few people have raised their hand. I just want you to repeat this after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Give me the strength to do it. I know I've been a sinner, but I ask for your forgiveness. You died for me so that I could be free to worship you and love you and to fulfill the purpose you created me for. Help me, Lord Jesus. Take my life and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Everyone else, I really feel like 
the Holy Spirit is highlighting some people that lost hope with issues you've been dealing with for years. I want to pray for a supernatural anointing for breakthrough to take place, that there will be a new glory on your life. If that's you, just in this context of the family, I just want you to slip up your hand, and I want to pray for you right now, the glory of God. I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call some of these things out. The Lord says that uh, there's been struggles with depression. There's been the struggles with confusion. There's been, uh, there's been sexual struggles. There's been uh, struggles with uh, ma- major insecurity that's even been debilitating uh, where you felt like uh, you, it's made you anxious and you, you feel like you can't even, um, you're paralyzed at times when you move forward. Uh, I felt that there's some of you have just been struggled with really self-condemning yourself uh, there. You've blamed yourself for certain things. And um, I even see a, a family situation that you blame yourself for. And the Lord is just saying that he's he wants to rid you of that self-condemnation. Um, there's some of you, man, when you look back and you see all the different things you've done, uh, it's like you can't get them out of your mind. It's been like a, a reoccurring movie in the background. And I just, I just saw that. Uh, some of us are in a lifestyle we're not proud of, that we've been a part of. Uh, and the Lord says, I'm not going to cause you to forget, but I'm going to give you new eyes to see that through my blood, uh, the forgiveness and the clearness of conscience. And so, Lord, right now, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Mm. I, even, I saw someone that God's breaking uh, ties. You, you, you've been, uh, there's been some type of connection with uh, another religion uh, that you haven't fully severed. Um, and the Lord says that he's going to bring you into wholeness and fullness of himself. And so I see God doing that. Lord, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit now that there would be a supernatural release of your glory. Lord, thank you, Father. There it is. I see, I feel it, I sense it. Glory coming on every single person to break cycles, to break uh, ways and patterns of thinking and mentality. Lord, to break the, the gnawing torment of their conscience. Lord God, and um, their, the, the, the enemy speaking to their conscience, defiling it. Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that those things would be broken right now. In the name of Jesus, I release and loose according to your word your glory upon them now the same glory Lord that is the visible attributes of your holiness come upon your people free them and energize them in the name of Jesus I want to pray lastly really quickly for some of you that say you know what I've been out of the game I have not applied myself. I haven't really searched for my gift. I haven't really entered into the game and and been been together, running this race together with those that are in this race for the glory of God, to see this city transformed, to see people know Jesus. And you say, I'm going to be committed to discovering my gifts and using them so that the church can be built up. I want you to raise your hand And I want to pray for you right now that God would give you a supernatural power. You say, I want to be committed. I want to see this thing happen. I want to get engaged. I want to be a part of what God wants to do in this city. I want to be a part of seeing the gospel go forward and lives be transformed. Oh, God is going to fall upon you in this moment. You'll never forget it. God's going to mark you forever that's you just raise your hand I see hands going all up you're going to be a part of the solution in your school 
in your workplace, in your neighborhood, right where you are. God's going to use you. Lord, I thank you right now for every single person that's raised their hand, that you they're acknowledging, Jesus, you have my life. It's all yours. I'm going to be committed to using and discovering and using my gifts for your glory. Jesus, would you do it? Would you move in me? Would you put super on my natural so that I can be filled with supernatural power to see others set free, transformed, and you be glorified? Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone give God some praise and give him a thank you.